Good morning and welcome to the Trusted CI webinar for May 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, Jeanette Dopheide. Trusted CI is the NSF Cybersecurity Center of Excellence, and these webinars are part of its mission to deliver high quality, actionable guidance regarding cybersecurity to the NSF community. More information about Trusted CI can be found at trustedci.org. Today's topic is senior citizens striking back at scammers with Anita Nikolic. Anita is a research scientist and the director of research and technology innovation at the University of Illinois School of Information Sciences and has many other titles that we don't have time to get into. <laughs> but today we'll focus on uh, one of those uh, being that she's co-PI on the project Deception Awareness and Resilience Training, also known as DART. Anita, welcome. Thank you. Let me share my screen here. And thanks for joining me on a, on a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, Jeanette, can everybody see my screen? Yep, looks good. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for inviting me. This is not a technical talk. Um, as Jeanette said, I'm from UIUC, uh, the home of Trusted CI. And my motives in this talk are uh, purely selfish uh, to talk about an NSF Convergence Accelerator project, uh, which is really more of a social good type output. And it's to help any of you who have um, friends, relatives, neighbors that have been scammed that are older adults. Uh, this is who we're aiming for. So likely you don't speak Chinese, but um, I'm wondering if anybody, it's hard to tell in a webinar, if anybody can tell what this might be. So this comes from the dark web. So what this is, is this is a training manual. And this is a training manual that has to do with something called pig butchering. And you may see this a lot more in the news. It's been on CNN, it's been on Wired. So as Jeanette said, um, I, I also do some work for a cryptocurrency startup called Inca Digital, where we do uh, cryptocurrency analytics. And Inca did a big investigation last year into more than 3,000 entities that participated in the scam called pig butchering. So we found this on the dark web and using some you know, optical character recognition techniques, we were able to translate this. And you can see some of the translation um, here on the right. So using some natural language processing techniques, our investigators um, identified illicit funds and scam affiliated addresses across several very popular blockchains. So the scam is huge and long running and increasingly it is becoming one of the top scams that target seniors. So China developed these playbooks. Um, it's actually a huge manual that allows them to offload uh, the work at scale to inexperienced scammers and forced laborers who uh, themselves are often uh, victims of human trafficking. So some of what we find in this manual is, uh, I mean, these operations put to shame, these ones you see, you know, where like th the guy glitter bombs, the people in the call center. This is really a long running con. So scammers, the reason it's called pig butchering is the scammers fatten up the pig by getting them to think they're investing in something legit and then getting them to move the money into cryptocurrency. So in general, the scam, it's like a well-structured corporation. There's head offices, there's branch locations, there's um, commissions for successful slaughters. And primarily they work on um, manipulating victims through psychological manipulation. There's manuals on how to create fake characters and hobbies. Uh, this, especially during the last holiday season, was on the rise uh, for defrauding senior citizens. They, they focus on the elderly because elderly have money and they increasingly are uh, more lonely, especially since COVID. So how does it work in general? Um, targeted through things like Facebook dating sites, uh, senior dating sites, um, and sometimes just randomly you, you might get a text. Uh, 
the seniors are chatted up for months. And at some point they become trusted, you know, the, the, the scammers are trusted, confident, confidant. And at first they say, you know, look, let me help you do some investing. I know you're older, you're not comfortable. So the scammers say, um, let's use a legit platform. So they actually will use a legit platform like Coinbase or something that's a legit cryptocurrency platform. And they'll actually show some, um, some results. The person might get some, the investment under a thousand bucks, they can take it in, they can take it out. They even get fake financial statements. So no one's going to tell their, you know, if you're, you're not going to tell your kids about this because, you know, this looks pretty legit. However, as the money gets larger, the fraudsters take it and they launder it. And what they do is they have you download another app, which is actually a fake app and it looks legit. It's in the app store, has fake reviews. And then your money's gone because due to jurisdiction issues, um, it's nearly impossible for the FBI to prosecute unless they can show something like the crypto ended up at an exchange in the US. And this pretty rarely happens. Uh, in 2021, we don't have the numbers for 2022 yet. The FBI alone got 4,300 complaints and it's nearly impossible to prosecute. And as they said, this is only from a few weeks ago, virtual currencies are the preferred payment for all types of scams. So another scam that you might be familiar with um, starts, and this, this is actually from last night in 60 Minutes. I put this in here. Um, there was a big, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. 60 Minutes had a big talk about how con artists are using AI and apps um, for the grandparent scam. And you only need about 15 to 30 seconds of, um, of audio. And you can easily get this from somebody's Facebook or Instagram. And there's tons of commercial apps out there where you can fake somebody's voice. So, you know, the typical scam, if you haven't seen it, it starts with a frantic call from somebody um, says, you know, that's their granddaughter and they've gotten into a car accident and they don't want to tell the parents and they're desperate for help. So they beg the grandparents to like talk to this lawyer and send some money to them. It, this is a very, very common scam. And uh, with basic information that they can get online, it's, it's very easy um, to scam. Uh, one thing to set up about seniors is that Although people in their 30s who are obviously very digital literate, um, they file the most complaints, but the group that loses the most money is seniors. And only one in 20 of them uh, who have been scammed actually report it, and oftentimes they're just embarrassed. So that's all I set up um, as a little bit of background when I go into why we chose um, to focus on senior citizens for our NSF Convergence Accelerator project. So NSF's wrestled for a lot of years with what they can do about you know, disinformation, misinformation, and authentic behavior. Uh, this has become highly politicized. So this convergence accelerator model, um, which started a few years ago, seemed to be an ideal place because it's an approach that is kind of use-inspired, app-oriented, fed by basic research, and integrates industry, academia, nonprofits um, together. So there was a call a few years ago, and uh, it was on trust and authenticity and communication systems. So the general idea is you have this idea, you kind of distill it into phase one to say, what can we do? Phase two, you get money to build the thing, and the output is um, social impact. So this, you know, to pure serendipity, some of us came together. So back in 2019, uh, my, my co-PIC, Wei Lu, and I, we did a, a deep fake video at DEF CON, uh, which some of you might have seen where we, you know, this is when they thought for the presidential election, there'd be a big threat of deep fakes. At the same time, we were loosely connected to some folks from Clemson who hunted Russian trolls, and at my own university, they were coming up with a game studies program. So we said, why don't, what if we got together and just did something interesting around teaching people about either disinformation or threats, just, you know, what, what can we do? So this is the ideation phase. So what we came up with is, um, we'll talk about what is DART, which is DART. So several of our, the, the other teams have projects like 
we are going to come up with a vetted source of truth for disinformation. Um, this, you know, if, if you believe there's a vetted source of truth, that could be good. Uh, we decided that's probably something that's better to stay away from. But we thought, you know, we were inspired by several states now, including uh, Illinois, where I am, have uh, required literacy, digital literacy for K through 12. So we thought maybe we should, you know, train K through 12 or train people in social engineering, like people who work at banks. Um, but what we settled on was older Americans uh, because of just the high rates that they're being scanned. This just kept coming up where we said, oh, you know, I have a, a friend or family member. So this, these are numbers from, I believe, 2020 or, yeah, I'm sorry, 2022. You know, anybody could be scammed, but some are more vulnerable and more targeted than others. And as you saw with the pig butchering, older adults are by far the most targeted population in the world. Uh, so this is where we're starting. Uh, these are actual, and these are only, you know, numbers reported from what either the FTC or the FBI got. And the, the, this particular number is FBI's internet crime complaint. So Americans over 60 lost 3 billion last year. And that's just the ones that reported it. So our interview data, and I'll talk about how we talk to older folks, um, they feel vulnerable. They feel exposed. They're not digital natives. Um, many of them, are, you know, they know they can be scammed, but they want to learn what to look for and how to protect themselves. So in the course of some of our interviews, which I'll talk about, these are some quotes. Uh, there's awareness of the problem, and not just among older adults. Um, people, you know, if you're if you're younger, you have grandparents or parents, you know, or you're a caregiver, um, including people in retirement communities. They've said, you know, we have uh, people living in our community, um, it, but seniors who fall prey, we're not sure what to do to, to make them aware. So, of course, people are... Um, Everybody we kind of ran into said had a story about somebody they know that had been scammed. In essence, you know what this comes down to is wanting to give people information, but not talk down to them about how they can be socially engineered. So, if you're not familiar with social engineering, um, even in the trusted CI community, uh, there's big interest in this topic. This this kind of always comes up when we um, uh, for the fall summit. That's a plug for our fall uh, summit in October. You know, we do this call for topics, and people are very interested um, in social engineering. Um, this is a kind of canonical book about how to do it, um, and this this is a problem across uh, across uh, domains. So, in, in essence, still, what we're trying to do is um, expose people to the fact that they can be engineered, but not tell them, "Hey, you're really dumb for falling for it," because we all fall for it. So why a game? So a few things. These, uh, these are statistics from a 2020 uh, AARP study on gaming among older adults in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, interestingly, the biggest population of gamers now are uh, women who are um, over 50, and which is me, and I'm not a gamer yet, but I feel like maybe, maybe I should be because that's a growing demographic. If people don't use smartphones, you know, we kind of wrestled with why a mobile game. If, people, if older adults aren't on smartphones and they're not on their phone or online a lot, they're probably not the target audience we're initially looking to satisfy because we really are looking for people who are targeted with Facebook or um, who are at least on a smartphone, even if, if, even if they're not you know, mastering the smartphone. So two in five of those, um, 50 to 59, and a third of those um, that are over 70 have played a video game to improve their brain health or you know, stay mentally sharp. They do, um, they really like puzzle and logic games. Um, even, you know, things like Sudoku or Candy Crush are the most popular over 50. So we thought we'll start with a smartphone-based game. More data from AARP. Um, 
most older adults who play games, we have thought, you know, some of our team thought, well, we'll just make something for, you know, for a laptop. But most older adults um, actually use their mobile devices, not so much a laptop. Many of them don't even have laptops. They use, um, whether it's an Android or an Apple phone, um, that's what they use. They also like gaming alone. We thought maybe we should do like a, you know, you versus your neighbors type thing. Primarily, they do like uh, playing alone, although there's some exceptions to that. So this is kind of where we're starting our focus. So going back to, you know, okay, so we're trying to teach people about misinformation, disinformation, and authentic behavior. There are there are other things that do this. Um, so we kind of looked at the landscape. Um, Spot the Troll was created by one of our co-PIs. So it's very interesting um, using real tweets. Um, you know, you can actually do this yourself and say, was that a Russian troll tweet or was that not? Uh, and that, that's kind of a cool game. But these are these are kind of purpose-built that you can't play for a very long time. Um, and they're not, some of them just aren't that fun. So we, we took inspiration to say what's good, what's bad about these things. So NSF has us look at, you know, the competitive landscape because we are putting in essence a product out there. So, you know, what tools are already out there? So there's a lot of websites that we found, a lot of education programs, the FTC, AARP. There's a lot of things that tell seniors about scams. It says, don't get scammed but they tend to not be interactive or very engaging and they don't have people coming kind of back and staying up to date They're And they're, they're good for motivated users who are looking, but you know, what if you, you don't care and you just want to play candy crush, you know, on the bus or whatever you, you, we wanted to appeal to people who weren't necessarily looking for information. So game designers have mastered kind of how to keep folks coming back, but most games in essence are, you know, kind of fairly mindless when you're doing um, candy crush or uh, match three so we took some inspiration from that. We also um, talked to a lot of game designers who warned us that, you know, edutainment type games are really what they call chocolate covered broccoli. So you can't really have an education game that's also really fun. If you have kids, you've probably seen there's some of these gamified learning. The thought being like, okay, you, you do the unfun math work, then you get a game. And it, it, it's it's neither really. So what they urged us to do is kind of focus on either the gaming or the learning and combining both was very, very difficult. So what we decided to do um, as part of this is use professional game developers. So although we get, you know, at U of I, we have a game studies minor and my co-PI from the university, he, he was in games for like 30 years and really understands how to make games. Developers, we decided let's use some professionals because they really know, you know, how to how to make these look really good in in the time frame we were looking for, which is about eighteen months. So this is just to kind of give you under the hood of like what I'm not a game person, um, but the development process is really interesting. So there's this um, we decided for our target demographic, which is roughly sixty and over, like a nostalgic spy theme might be kind of fun. So this is the first storyboard from the gaming folks. Uh, we decided, inspired by um, the Fang companies, uh, to call the enemy Fang. We're renaming that because um, our user interviews have shown that that's maybe um, for Asian American population, they may find that it's a popular name. So they they have found that maybe uh, Fang wouldn't resonate uh, if we're if we're calling the enemy Fang. So this is some of what we uh, uncovered in our user interviews. But in essence, uh, we, we created the storyboard of Deep Cover, who's the agent, invites the player to join the spy agency and help save the world from the likes of the evil group of people trying to rob the public. So this is the core gameplay kind of loop. Um, these casual gameplays are things like Candy Crush or Match 3, just like things you can sit for hours and play. And as they continue the storyline, you can unlock more storyboards, more items, and get, we thought instead of doing an edutainment game, we would do like a 60-second 
talk about phishing. And I'll show you how we're going to do that to, to hopefully make it kind of fun. Again, these are, um, you know, some of the big, I, I would say, competitors. Uh, um, you know, Candy Crush has a billion plus downloads. Words with Friends has 10 million downloads as of like, you know, 10 years ago. I don't even know what it is now. And this three is just matching. It, it was Apple Game of the Year almost a decade ago. And these are still very popular. So what makes a game popular? Um, as I learned, um, you know, so I do Duolingo now and then. And what I've what I learned from the game designers is like people want levels. They want achievements. Even if it means nothing and you get nothing, people want to see that they've achieved a different level and they've gone up and, and they can, you know, look and see what my friend has gotten. So quick levels, quick rounds, a leaderboard to compare with your friends and something you can keep playing. So what we came up with, um, because within our team, there was a little, I'd say we were divided, um, you know, mobile game with light expectations of teaching seniors or heavyweight kind of, they can sit and get a certification. So we decided to do both in a, on a roadmap. So what some of, so part of our team also included um, uh, people who, who um, specifically focus on tech amongst older adults and, um, you know, human computer interaction with older adults and learning styles of older adults, which are different. So what some of their studies found is that some older adults prefer facilitated learning. They, you know, they want to sit at a library or they want to sit um, at the senior home or with their uh, loved ones and kind of go through a more facilitated, you know, structured, uh, tell me about how a phishing scam works. Now, what am I supposed to learn? And that's really the aim of Dart Learn, where it's more, um, they get a little more, you know, there's more formal learning objectives and things they need to know. Um, the initial tool though, and so that's a more structured kind of gamified learning. Uh, Dart Play is really just like engaging fun games that um, really just familiarize them with some of the lingo. So, but these are gonna share a common narrative so they're not totally uh, divorced from each other. So users are, you know, newly recruited agents in, in the digital agency for reducing trickery and the players keep coming back. And on the back end, we're looking at, you know, how can you federate their identity so that let's say you're in play, but you're like, you know, I, I really do. I've, I've got some time to kill. I wanna sit and, you know, learn more about this. Um, you can very much easily log in to learn and sit at your laptop and do it. So we're, we're kind of working on what that means to go back and forth between the platforms. So taking a step back, um, again, if you're, as we thought about how to design this for, 60 plus um, for seniors. Part of what um, our collaborators who are more design people thought about is um, this is kind of best practice. For, I guess, you know, if you're in marketing, we have user personas. So they came up with about a dozen of these, you know, what's your typical person we're appealing towards? It's, it's hard for us to imagine that because that's, that's essentially not us, but they came up with these different cards of, these are all fake people, uh, you know, like Barbara Jones, she's a retired middle school teacher. Here's some of her favorite brands or, Mike Williams, uh, he worked in the optical fiber plant and here's some of his favorite things. So by keeping in mind, these are the types of people, that's how we could think about, you know, how do they, where might they see um, inauthentic behavior? And then as we talked to some of these, you know, folks like this in person, they said, oh yeah, you know, I have, I have my Lowe's application because I love getting discounts, but I'm always a little concerned that Lowe's is going to scam me. So we start out with some personas. Um, and again, these guide priorities, they inform design. So things like, you know, does this meet the need for Barbara? Is she going to want to play the game or is she going to want to sit and do this at her laptop? And does this look and feel like something she'd be interested in? So this is how we 
uh, went to the designers of the game to say, here's in general our uh, population. Uh, again, so for designing the game, um, even talking to our game design uh, firm who are not used to necessarily designing for older adults, uh, we went to a gerontologist and said, you know, what's the best typeface for older folks? Um, and we found that there's like a list of two or three, that the best fonts and typefaces, which is Helvetica or Arial. They don't like pictures that are too dark. Uh, you need a lot of white space for eye fatigue high contrast pictures and types. Um, as we uh, had a prototype and showed it to, to folks in our, our focus sessions, they said, you know, that what we would think looks like a regular picture on a dark background, they said, I, I can't distinguish it. So we, we learned that there's very specific design for uh, older adults. So we wanted to, um, you know, come up with a proof of concept and show it to people and say, if our idea is, you know, completely out of whack, we, we really need to think, rethink this. So. Part of what our team did is uh, we literally had flyers and we recruited users. So uh, we are in essentially three cities. This is one in Chicago. We're in uh, Buffalo and, and the Clemson, South Carolina area. That's just where we have people, although we want to um, do this in more locations. But we recruited users and said, you know, uh, we'll give you a gift card if you're willing to sit with us one-on-one uh, -on -one, because we don't want to do focus groups. Uh, apparently, those can skew results. So we sat with these folks and said, you know, we had a, a series of questions and I'm, I'm gonna show you some of them. These are all, um, these are focus groups. This is not IRB worthy and, and this is all anonymized, but just in general, so you could see when we talk to people, you know, we had a list of questions to inform us. Do you use social media? If they didn't, you know, we may figure out other vectors to get to them. Do you use um, apps on your phone? What kind of apps would you use it for? Do you play games? Um, many did not play games. Um, and a big, of course, crunchy question, do you have concerns about identity theft, fraud, or scams? And do you think you know enough about them? Across the board, uh, people said, no, I, I just, you know, I know somebody who's gotten scammed. I just don't know enough about how they work. And some even asked us for things we hadn't thought about, like there's call centers that the number looks like it's from South Carolina. I'm in South Carolina. How do they do that? So uh, for me, at least, it revealed that uh, some of these users uh, clearly weren't as, you know, uh, digitally illiterate as we thought. And they also had, um, they really did want to see under the hood of how these scams worked, uh, to varying extents, of course. So designing the game, so on the technical kind of back end, it's in Unity. This has uh, become very popular for um, how game designers work. I think like 70% of Android games are built using Unity. This is what we teach our students. Uh, one of the thoughts, of course, for using a popular game engine is, you know, once we, you know, kind of pay the gaming company and they go away, of course, we get all their code. And what, what we would like to do is use more um, uh, students and community input to keep designing the game. And in terms of what that means, you know, I'll talk a little bit about, again, we started with really um, a focused uh, English speakers and certain types of scams. We focus on the top three scams. What we want to do is expand it to um, people who get scammed in other languages, um, Spanish, um, obviously many Asian languages, and the scams tend to be different. Uh, the scams aimed at, uh, certainly where I am in Chicago, aimed at, uh, you know, Spanish speakers are, are different types of scams, and they often come in in different methods like WhatsApp. Uh, but designing the game, this is uh, kind of interesting if you're not a game designer, you know, literally the the designers will sit, hear what we said about, um, you know, in general, what would resonate. And then they said, okay, the first thing they do is build this art style guide. And this is what they sent us. And this was pages and pages of, because that's going to really dictate, you know, when you're using this, um, I'll go back, this Unity game engine, 
all that stuff starts with basic illustrations from artists for, you know, what kind of characters are going to resonate, what kind of outfits. Um, in, if you want to, you know, a lot of games charge people a couple bucks, not ours, but if you want to uh, re redo the outfits or buy a hat or something, uh, they, they need to build what that looks like. So because this is a converged accelerator and we have uh, researchers, not just, um, you know, practitioners, our researchers brought in their perspectives. So we had a, we have a whole group at Cornell that just do research on learning and gaming. And they said, OK, how 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 do older adults want to represent themselves through avatars? Um, you know, we, we have here um, a woman. Do they want a choice of a woman, a man and a hedgehog? Indeed, we do have a hedgehog. So how do they want to be represented? Um, what if they have a disability or they can't see well? Um, does the age, you know, you can see in the avatar, she doesn't look very old. Uh, do they want to see a body type or accuracy? Um, how does the avatar representation affect, you know, how they identify with the character? Maybe they say, well, this is a, a young lady that's, you know, in an urban area. That's not me. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the South. I'm retired. So this is as we did, as we do our research, we see how do people react as they're playing the game? Do they enjoy it? Are they learning something? And what kind of avatars would they like? So these are some of the early sketches of um, kind of what the interface looks like. It's pretty simple. You can choose the outfit, you can choose the hair, and then you can select a location. And part of the feedback was maybe we just don't want to have large cities. You want to have, um, you know, we want to have you like you're maybe in a small town. What we're starting with are uh, mini games. So these are really your, your very basic kill time type mini games. So following games like Mario Party keeps people entertained by allowing them to have varied gameplay. Again, uh, matching games are just super popular. What we've done, it's actually, we're actually not having the word baguette, but um, for, the, um, for these tiles is have words that have to do with digital scams. So the matching things, uh, some, some people didn't like some of the pictures, so we're going to change some of these, but it's like a spy theme, surveillance themed. The matching, you know, would be like phishing or scam. And then as you can see in the cryptogram, uh, I mean, this is like, some people felt this was insulting because it was really basic, you know, swap the words to find the phrase, uh, look up the, hmm, for the companies uh, on your own. Of course, you know, we all know what that is. So there's some jokes kind of in between here, but these are the really basic uh, things. Now we go on to some missions. So that's the first level. You could just play some casual games. That's kind of the first level of gameplay. And then you can go on to missions. So uh, the missions involve solving a variety of simple puzzles and word games, uh, the kind that older adults are already playing. And so it provides a familiar gaming experience when they just have some time to kill. So uh, instead of ads though, which you might see in a lot of the free games nowadays, uh, they will get short messages that pop up. So I, I, I don't know if this one will play. So here's where, uh, you know, again, my, my co-PI from University of Buffalo, um, is one of the world's experts in deep fakes. And the deep fakes are getting so good. What we intend to do is um, for the for um, for some of the missions, build in some really interesting deep fakes. Let's see if I can make this one play. I probably can't. Let's see. Good day, people of the world. Today we rid the world of a horrible threat to its citizens. Walter Fang and the key members of the Fang organization have been apprehended. While some members may have escaped today, they know now that we won't stop until their schemes are over with. Good day. So hopefully you could hear that, but that um, we're going to be doing more of these and doing more uh, deep fake, like 15, 30, you know, 60 seconds to tell people about some of the scams. We're figuring out if that's going to resonate. 
So in our very early kind of proof of concept for users, we said after reviewing this prototype that, you know, the really early one I just showed you, um, I didn't show the interactive part, but we, 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 we had people sit there with, um, we actually, we had some tablets, we put it on instead of their phones and said, here, go, go, go forth and play it. And after reviewing it, we said, you know, circle how, how uh, you best feel describe it. Some people said, you know, things like irrelevant, serves no function, um, repetitive, it's boring. Some people loved it. Um, you know, this, this person said, I don't understand the purpose and how it connects to learning. Like they felt it was just way too basic. They also were offended that, and we talked, we talk about this a lot, um, sneaking in learning by uh, using a game as insulting to older adults. So we're having some conversations, but yet, I mean, we don't feel like we're sneaking it in, but if that's a perception, you know, that, that's a problem. So this is just a short, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a tiny snapshot of the Learn platform. So again, that was the mobile game. Um, now we move on to potentially doing this uh, more robust kind of essentially a learning management system based uh, Dart Learn. It's a more traditional curriculum. Originally, um, some of our team thought maybe seniors would want to get like a certificate or something to say, yeah, you know, we, we learned about um, scams. So we're incorporating some of the bells and whistles that game designers use. Um, if you complete a module, you get a badge. Each module that they will see and learn is about a particular type of scam. And it's divided into bite-sized chunks, uh, concepts, consequences, tricks, and ways to protect yourself. Um, and both play and learn will accommodate, you know, physical aspects of aging, cognitive aspects of aging. Um, and we're testing interfaces, as I said, with the users to ensure that they're um, accessible and also intuitive. Even with those match three gameplay, some people said, it, you know, I don't understand the instructions. So um, we're really trying to iterate and use their uh, feedback as we, as we iterate. Uh, so some current gaps. Uh, we, again, being an academic-ish project, uh, we face the same barriers a lot of academic projects do, which is, you know, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody wants to brand it differently. So we've hired um, an actual marketing firm to help us with branding, to look at, you know, is the logo, does the logo resonate? Um, does, does Fang and the characters, do they resonate? How should we be branding this? Because we don't want our money from NSF to go to waste where nobody uses this. So Branding it properly is really important. Um, how we're going to market this is the thing I think about a lot. Um, you know, it's great to put this on AARP's website or throw it in the Android, uh, you know, the Play Store or, I, you know, the, the App Store. But we've got to be thoughtful about how we get to people. Part of it is stuff like this, you know, um, is it, just telling the world, uh, you know, the, the game will come out by the end of summer. We've thought about, do we use uh, influencers? Uh, there's senior influencers who have, you know, websites a lot of people go to, but also younger people, you know, Twitch streamers or gamers or just uh, young people who um, have an interest in protecting their grandparents. How can we, you know, best get the word out uh, and use social media and use these influencers um, to help get the word out? Our in-person outreach is limited. There's only so much we can do at, you know, hackathons or um, senior type festivals or community clinics. So we, we um, we're looking for creative ways. We also are thinking, you know, where do we go next? We want to expand to more languages. What's the best one to expand to? Even if we go to Spanish, it it's not a one-for-one -one translation. It's the uh, there's a lot of nuance, so that's going to take some time and kind of cultural sensitivity. Uh, what scams do we include next? These these things are moving quick, quickly in many senses. So getting to the, uh, some of the distribution challenges. So AARP has been very um, uh, positive about this. So they've recommended uh, potentially their site. 
and link on sites trusted by older folks, of course, that make they need to get to the site. Uh, perhaps do some social media posts aimed at uh, not only seniors, but their kids and grandkids. We found that most or you know, the majority of older gamers uh, learn about it from their grandchild. Um, senior uh, social media influencer sites, potentially some audio uh, streaming ads during senior-focused podcasts, and of course, community centers and partners like museums and libraries. So right now we are in, again, we're because we're in essentially three cities or these um, beachhead markets. So we need some traction before we go after potential kind of high level subscribers. So where team members have connections, this is where we're trying to get the word out. Uh, it's, it'll be easier once we have a game and we can go to different places. We're planning on workshops to introduce Dart in our local areas. And there's a couple of national conferences that are aimed at um, operators of senior living facilities and senior housing associations, potentially go through them. Um, but the, the mobile game is going to launch first. This is going to really build an audience and demonstrate if there's even a demand for this. And that will tell us, um, you know, how much time and effort do we put into the Learn platform. So our plan after our NSF funding is gone next year is to transition to a nonprofit. We're hoping by uh, doing that, we can engage um, students and those who are passionate about building out more content, and it, that'll be easy. We want to expand the content. We're thinking about multiplayer. This is a, a different type of setup, um, but potentially that could be fun for seniors. We don't know, and, and go to new audiences. Some of our metrics of success for the project, um, how, how big can we scale and how broad can the distribution be? So rather than a build it and they will come, we want to spend some uh, time really thinking about broad distribution. We know this is not going to you know, necessarily change a world. And some of the um, discussions, I guess, in our team about metrics of success, you know, it's different than traditional learning objectives. Are we going to use a mobile game and then measure that seniors aren't scammed? It, that's nearly impossible. So um, for the mobile game, you know, my at least expectations are low. I want to get this to a lot of people to have seniors, you know, if you say the word phishing or some of these scams, they don't know exactly what that means. We want to get this broadly distributed. And then our secondary, you know, level of metrics is, uh, can we garner some interest potentially in the learn platform? And maybe people even pay for it. We've got a pricing model where if you're a, a building, if you have a senior living community, maybe you want to buy a license and have everybody um, be able to take that into the community center. So our metrics are really informing older adults versus nudging them to particular actions, which we have found that many of them don't want to be taught or nudged. They, you know, they, they, want, to be, they want to be informed. They don't want to be told what to do. So the roadmap, uh, I wish I could show you the game. Uh, unfortunately, the, the whole thing is not going to be done until August. It's in a pretty good state. But by the end of August, it'll be released. Uh, so that's where we're spending summer thinking about our distribution channels. Um, NSF was very clear. They didn't want in you know what gamers traditionally use, which is kind of in-game purchases for, I don't know, a dollar for an outfit or whatever, um, or subscription. So the game will be totally free. Uh, Learn will be released roughly springtime of next year. Um, we've been talking a lot about our original plan was, can we do an immersive version, meaning um, with our expertise in deep fakes and um, some of the artwork and game designers, is there a more, um, more immersive version that where it really looks like you're, you know, on Facebook doing things, will that resonate? So we're thinking about, is there a proof of concept where we can use some, you know, AI inspired methods to make it more immersive? Then the grant ends next September, and our idea is to uh, 
uh, we will transition to a nonprofit to keep this somewhat sustainable. These are um, this is the team and our partners. So you can see it's a, a pretty big team by design, expertise in lots of different areas, from uh, gaming to security to social media. And again, part of why uh, Trusted CI was nice enough to let me do this is um, for the social good. You know, any input you have, any thoughts, ideas, uh, if this. It doesn't look like it'll resonate with people you know. That would be great to hear. Uh, parts you liked, didn't like, you can always email me. Once the game is done, we really want to spread the word and you know help your loved ones download it. And this is our official uh, project email. Dart Project is hosted at Buffalo, and I think you know how to get a hold of me. I'm at University of Illinois. And uh, now I'll stop sharing, and uh, I don't know if there's any questions. Uh, we don't have any questions yet, so I'm going to show my slides. Sure. We'll continue to go over updates, and then that'll give people time to type. Okay, so um, thank you, everyone, for coming to this uh, webinar. Our um, our community updates for this month. Um, our next webinar is going to be June 26th, uh, 10 a.m. Central, and the topic is Secure My Research. Um, I can try to grab this real quick copy link and then throw it in the chat so that you guys can look it up. And that is with um, Indiana University's Will Drake, Tim Daniel, um, and Anurag Shankar. And then the NSF Research Infrastructure Workshop, if you've been seeing emails about that in your inbox, that's going to be the end of June in Washington, DC. Registra registration is open. So if you're thinking about attending, please go and look that up. And then we've got PERC in July, and that's going to be in Portland this year. Um, the CFP and registration are both open right now, so you're um, encouraged to go look at that. And then we've got EDUCAUSE annual conference in October in Chicago. And then again, thank you for plugging the summit, but I'll do it again. Our summit is October 24th through 26th. We encourage people to to secure the whole week because we are tacking on um, activities before and after the official conference. And that will be in Berkeley, California. Um, we don't have a CFP announcement yet, but uh, it's getting very close to, to being announced. So um, we've got a question here, two questions here. Uh, what's the best way to be part of your beta test community? So right now, if you uh, email either the project at dart-project or me, we are in the midst of putting up our official website. But if you email the project or me, if you have people or seniors that are that are willing to get interviewed, and not only that, if they're willing to get interviewed and sit and go through a proof of concept and get a gift card, we could use that. Um, but yeah, uh, shoot me an email um, and I can do that. We would love to get entirely different communities, especially if they're you know drivable distance from uh, from one of the co-PIs. Um, another question here. Did you consider doing a game like uh, Second Life where the player goes through daily activities and some involving being scammed? Totally. That was that's such a great that's exactly what we wanted to do from uh, the get go was do this um, more immersive type uh, game. Um, yes, I, I, I would love opinions on what people think about that, because I, I personally think that um, with you know VR tech and this tech getting more, I mean, even in the past two years, right, since you put in the proposal, it's gotten just a lot easier to build uh, 
many of us would love to do that. It just makes it a lot more realistic and tangible rather than sitting in front of a game that's like a mock-up of a fake social media site. So yeah, I mean, if anybody has specific or opinions on their specifics, yes, Yelena, I would love to do that. And then we got a comment. I wonder if future releases could have levels where participants rate their current level of knowledge. This might avoid feeling like it's too simple or patronizing while starting at the basics for some. That's a really good idea. I, I, yeah, I think based on what we've heard from some of the older users who are like, I, I already know how this works. I don't need to learn your simple scam. That, that's a really, that's actually a really good idea. I'm gonna cut and paste that. <laughs> so I, I can't say, or, or she said, they say, oh, or they could also right. just jump to a different point in the game. Yeah, that's another absolutely. really good idea. Yeah. Um, I've been noticing that a lot of these, when these scams kind of blow up and, and they get some traction in the public, a lot of people do try to use Facebook to communicate to their peers to watch out for scams. So definitely, uh, you know, utilizing Facebook is, is, is needed in this. Um, we got another follow-up question. Can you elaborate on the status and rate of attack by emails, in my case, scammers posing as IT personnel from Amazon, requesting that I purchase gift cards to remove fake security threats? So that's funny you mentioned gift. So gift cards are, um, I think they're the third most, um, the, the third biggest vector for seniors. And that, that's one of the first ones we're focusing on for learn is the gift card scam. Um, and it actually, it's so just a side note is um, what what um, one of the interviewees found was when she went to uh, like a Target or something and said, oh, give me like, you know, 100 gift cards. The clerk's like, are you sure that that's legit? Um, so the gift card scam is getting huge. Um, I feel like people don't understand how that works. Um, but the rate of attacks by emails, um, I, I don't know if I could say exactly. All I, can, all I can say, Carl, is that the gift card scam has become like the, the third top one with the FBI Crime Center. And the FTC, we met with the Federal Trade Commission, has a whole senior citizen kind of um, uh, task force where they come up with these um, things and form them. And they said gift cards 100% are, are on the rise. So hopefully that answers some of it. Oh, great. Well, so we still have a little bit of time if anyone has a, oh, they, they already reported that to the FBI, uh, no reply, probably because there's so many reports coming in. Um, oh, we got another one here. Another uh, great one is understanding what spoofing is and how to combat it. I think once people understand this concept, it's a great tool. Yeah, I, I think actually, um, I think I see our program director, Mike Posman's here. Mike, Mike mentioned this, um, and, and I firmly believe um, you know, it, it drives me nuts. My dad's 87 and he's like, it has to be real. The, the call's coming from Illinois and it's like, you can spoof it. Well, I don't need to know about this fancy, but I think, Carrie, to your point um, and others have brought up, I think we need to figure out a simple way to demonstrate that spoofing's easy and what to do about it. I, I, I love that comment, note that comment too, because I, I fully agree with that. Yeah, basically, if if they receive a call saying, you know, I'm, I've got this accident and I need your help right away. I, I need you to buy me this or, you know, give me, wire me money or whatever to, to try to, I guess, encourage them to, you know, finish the call and then call the family back and say, is this really going on? Like the, the, yeah. do that second phone call. Hang up that what the FBI says is hang up, call the police and then call your loved one immediately. Yeah. Just because mm -hmm. it looks like it's coming from somebody doesn't mean it's from them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, related to the last comment, do you have an example of such a scam and how to present in the game? So uh, we, 
what we are working on for the next. So the, the, the first release was kind of the match three and this simple interaction. For after this first release in summer, what we're going to do, uh, Christopher, is um, show in some, and we're still figuring out how, how this might look to seniors, is, is the IRS scam is the, the um, I get a call scam. And this will resonate also with some population Spanish speakers, like in metro areas who get calls from uh, to be deported, you know, from I said ICE or whatever. Um, that's become a very common scam. So we want to show that because it says IRS, some simple cartoonish version of where it's really coming from. Um, I haven't, I'm not super creative, but that that's what we want to show them is visually you get a call that says IRS, but it's really coming from, you know, overseas or from some scammer. So that that's kind of what we're hoping to do. And then, you know, at the next level, it's like, how can you tell? Yeah, to, to uh, yeah. comment. Oh, sorry, comment here. We've found that older adults also think they are pretty savvy until we show them how sophisticated scammers are going are getting. How do you plan to evolve the game, especially to convince people that they are at risk? Um, Chinese students are also targeted by a version right. of the scam. I think the the immigration scam. Yeah. Yeah. The immigration scam, even for very, very, I mean, you know, as Christopher said, Chinese grad students have gotten this and paid a lot of money because because they're, mm -hmm. they're unaware. Um, so at least for seniors, you know, to try to visualize that the, the phone call can be spoofed. Um, in terms of evolving the game to convince people they are at risk, um, part of what we're hoping to do that we've seen resonates is seniors seem to like to help a friend. So in our interviews, um, rather than what we'd like to evolve it to is rather than playing alone, what it seems like they all want to do is like, I wish I had enough that I could tell a friend and inform my friend that this is how it works. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to build in the gameplay, I think is like, how do I, um, how do I equip myself enough to convince my neighbor who maybe, you know, maybe they're not as smart as I am, um, so that's what we're, we're kind of hoping to build it. I don't know how yet, but that's the mentality that it seems like will resonate that they want to do is help a friend and inform them. Yeah, I guess if you could package it as like, uh, well, you we we all we all have friends who are less technically savvy than the other than than uh, than we are. So this is this is just training to help talk to them about it. <laughs> Right. And many of them have said, you know, I know my folks at my local bridge club or my library or whatever that they've been scammed. Mm -hmm. and I want to I want to be able to teach them. So give me the words to do that. Um, uh, we got a comment here. Yeah. Even today, MS Outlook emails uh, show spoofed email addresses and requires the user to mouse over to click on the sender details to discover the scammer's actual email. I totally agree. Like there could be a lot more coming from these app applications, developers, phone companies um, to intercede uh, with these scams. Uh, and then another comment that could be a great marketing technique Inform yourself to help others. Yep. And it seems less pa patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we have our, our tagline. It's like play practice. Uh, sorry. Our, our, our tagline is, is that you play and you help your friends, you know, play practice protect so that you can mm -hmm. protect yourself and your friends. But that's, that's, that's a good comment for the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so the last thing we want to do is patronize them. Um, mm -hmm. And right. many of them that we then found, they shut down. And yeah, many that we found that we, you know, stupidly in you know academia, we thought, well, they're they're not going to know a lot about this. Many were actually fairly savvy. What it is though is they admitted, look, if it happened to me, I may not, I may not spot it for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are super helpful comments, by the way. We still have a little bit of time if anyone wants to ask any more questions. I'll put my email address here in case you're still waking up. <laughs>
Yeah, we have a, All a right. great project team. So if there's anything you want to ask um, or help us out or be in the beta, email me or go to the project uh, email. Happy to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everyone for uh, attending today and then also for all these questions. This has been great. Anita, I want to thank you for your time. Um, I'll be sending out a copy of the slides and the video and your contact info to ask you uh, to point to you if, if people want more information. Um, and with that, I think we'll wrap things up. Thanks, everybody, for attending. Thanks, everybody.